We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It's a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Stephen. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan in the squeaky chair. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia, squeaky chair and all. That's, That's right. what the squeaky chair was saying. That's right. To have the squeaky chair says to hell with Georgia. It was squeaky chairish, squeaky chair knees for to hell with Georgia. Uh, welcome to episode number 47 of What's the Good Word? I point that out simply because 47, it's a prime number. That is a special shout out to field reporter Stacy. She'll know what I'm talking about for those of you, but also to tech people who know your prime numbers. You have to know that in calculus and other classes. Joshua, we have got a very special show. The second half of the show, after we do the news, we've got something going on that I'm going to let you talk about because you set it up. We do. We have a very special guest coming on the show today. He goes by the name Sea Dog. He has quite a YouTube following. He reached out to us, asked if he could come on our show and if we wanted to go on his. So, one, we will have Sea Dog on this show, but stay tuned. We might be making an appearance on his YouTube channel. So go ahead, take a second while you're listening to the intro, or whatever. Go to YouTube, type in Sea Dog, and hit that subscribe button. C D O G G. Yes. So he doesn't spell it necessarily correctly either, but at least it's more correct than the way the yeah. He's not adding consonants. He's just <laughs> an extra consonant. As it's opposed an extra to, G. We're gonna change. The, the entire world. He's such a dog. He has to add an extra G. He's exactly. such a sea dog. He has to add an extra exactly. G. So uh, long-time listeners of the show will know that I my age shows through in my favorite players, but I'm going to use a word the kids are using. I'm excited about this collab. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Collaboration has been around a lot longer than the kids Well, that's had. true. That's true. But, we just shortened but it. But we shortened it to collab. We didn't have the attention yeah, yeah. span to use the entire word. All right. So we are going to we are gonna bust through the news and get through it rather quickly to give as much time to Sea Dog, where we are going to talk about the win uh, at, uh, at Wake Forest. We're also going to look ahead and just kind of talk about the football program in general. That's what he's doing on his YouTube channel. Before we get to that, let's get to the other news. Joshua... The Georgia Tech ladies volleyball team continues its hot start. They had their first two ACC games this last week. Wednesday, they went up to Clemson and they took care of business. They won. They earned a 3-1 win, 29-31, 25-13, 25-15, 25-16. 25-13? Yep. They dropped the first Ooh. set. They dropped the first set, then won three straight to win their ACC opener. A couple of highlights Tamara Oteen led the Jackets with arguably her best match since arriving on the flat. She had uh, 22 kills. She had 15 digs. She had a block and an ace for her sixth double-double of the season. Bianca Bartolino had 12 kills, a season-high 17 digs, four aces, and a pair of blocks, one solo, one assisted. So they, they kind of won that. Uh, there was a lot of talk about defense. They really just kind of won that game with defense, so that was very good. Got their ACC win. Then over the weekend, they hosted NC State. They earned Michelle Collier, 
her 100th ACC win. They also won that match 3-1. They won uh, the, let's see, the scores of the 25-23, 25-21. So they were up 2-0. They lost the third set 23-25 and then finished it out 25-21. Very close game against NC State at O'Keefe Gymnasium. Uh, Did not get an easy set win at all. But they are now 2-0 in the ACC. They are now 11-1 overall. And in that match, guess who was the outstanding player in that match who as well? Who was the outstanding Tamara Oteen, of course. She finished her explosive week. She had her seventh double-double of the year by having 16 kills, 13 digs, a pair of blocks, an ace, and even an assist. Two other Yellow Jackets posted double-digit kills. Freshman right-side hitter Larissa Mendez had 11 and sophomore middle blocker Liv Mogridge had 10. They were blister. She was blistering at a 692 clip. She also added four blocks. Bianca Bartolino, DeAndre Pierce, Powell Pimentel, Bella D'Amico had, Bella D'Amico had 34 assists. So uh, Paola Pimentel had 16 digs. A great opener, opening week by the Yellow Jackets going 2-0 in the ACC. So kudos to them. Quick shout out coming up this week. Want to let you know that they will be playing Virginia Tech on Friday and then Sunday at Wake Forest. So two games on the road this week. In fact, they're on the road for the next four. So big stretch on the road for the Lady Yellow Jackets again playing Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, and then next week it'll be at Pitt and at Virginia. Next time at home against Florida State, 7 o'clock Friday, October 13th. Way to go, Lady Jackets. Keep it going. Dig it out and spike it down. There you go. Well, brief basketball news nugget. We mentioned last show that there was a certain basketball prospect who's going to be announcing his commitment the next day. Um, And the episode went up, and guess what? He announced his commitment, so I just wanted to make sure it was mentioned. Cole Kirouac. The 6'11", 190-pound center out of Brewster Academy has announced his commitment to the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets for the class of 2024. That's our second commit. That's our second commit along with Jaden Mustaf. So uh, looking into him, he is considered um, the 179th ranked player in the 24-7 sports composite. So the first two are in the top 200. One top 50, yes. one uh, second yes. with this guy's top 200. He is also the number two center in Georgia, the state of Georgia, because he's from Cumming. But in all fairness, it's a little misleading potentially because uh, well, John Bull is number one, one of Bull, one of Manute Bull's kids. Mm-hmm. He plays for Overtime Elite, so is he really from Georgia? You know, <laughs> he's just playing. But it also could be the same thing for Kerouac. I'm pretty sure he's from up north. But right. either way, I mean, there's so many high schoolers that move nowadays. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you're going to see middle schools start to recruit kids, and that's going to be when <laughs> I officially throw in the towel. Um, so the biggest knock with him is he's kind of skinny, right? He's 6'11", 190. Uh, hope is you bring him in, you can put some weight on him and he can get good. I mean, there's some tools there. He's shown an ability to play the game of basketball. He, he battles, he tries, he really puts in a lot of effort, but unfortunately there's sometimes he's overmatched physically. Um, who else offered him to this point? So he had seven offers according to 24, seven, most notable was Wyoming. Wyoming was the one that was in there pretty heavy. He think they were in his top two. He also got two SEC offers from Missouri and Georgia. So not big time mm-hmm. college programs, but power five college programs. He's a six eleven and six eleven. You yes. can't you can't coach height. So also that's got a, a Georgia State offer. But yeah. um, Cole Kirouac, another another addition. Um, 
Going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I, I like it. The other basketball news I do want to point out is that Damon Stoudemire and Nell Fortner uh, both had their preseason press conferences. Obviously, I think we're going to focus a little more on Stoudemire's press conference. I'd encourage everybody uh, to go to Rambling Rec. They actually, ramblingrec.com. They actually have a video of it. I'm sure you can also find it on YouTube. By the way, shout out ramblingrec.com. They gave me both stories of the volleyball team's two wins. So they are my main source for tracking the volleyball team. But Damon Stoudemire in his press conference, Joshua, real quick, you and I both read the transcripts. I believe one, at least one of us watched some of the highlights. A couple things that stood out to me. This is what stood out to me, and you told me something that stood out to you. So let's talk about it real quick. Uh, Ramblin' Rec pointed it out. I mean, he wasn't 20 seconds into his press conference, and he starts talking about Miles Kelly. Now, he talked about a lot of players, but he pointed out that he's, this is the quote. I'll say this before I go any further. Miles Kelly, I think he has to play at an All-American level for us. Some people say, oh, he skipped steps. He hasn't skipped steps. I think he's been All-ACC as of now, but I need him to play at an All-American level. I think that is key for us. He has to be a shot maker, and his ability to do that will definitely impact this team. So Damon Stoudemire went on to talk about a lot of the other players we'll mention, but it struck me that he laid it out there that the success of this team is going to hinge on Miles Kelly and his shot-making ability. I like that he pointed out his best player from, from the start. There was something he also said that you noticed that you told me before we got on the air. Yes, he was um, ta- asked about, I believe, the transfer portal. Not 100% sure what the actual question was, but he ended up kind of giving us a peek into his recruiting philosophy, more or less. And he pretends to prefer freshmen, at least the way he is talking right now. Uh, the way he put it was he prefers to know their families, everybody that's around him, kind of how they came up, really get to know the kid kind of more intimately, which you're not necessarily able to do with the transfer portal. And he said he's still going to use the transfer portal. It's almost impossible to not use the transfer portal. Look at Dabo Sweeney. Um, but he said he's going to try to use the supplement use it to supplement the guys that he brings in from high school. So use it to supplement the stars that hopefully he develops. So it's going to be interesting to see how that holds. Um, in an ideal world, that will be the case, right? You want to develop the stars in-house. You want to get the best kids in. And then transfer portal is to shore up any holes you see opening up, be it because some other kid decided to transfer or because a kid graduated and you need a quick fix or you just need one more bench guy. Right. The other thing I would say for those of you who want to go, well, what kind of a team are we going to have? What, how, is there anything out of his press conference that tells me what I can expect from Georgia Tech? He said this in getting this quote, this is a quote, in getting this job, I wanted to add length with athleticism. Side note, I think he did that. Gotcha. So back to the quote, I don't have a physically imposing player, I would say, but within that, I have a lot of speed and quickness and a lot of shot blocking. We can get up the floor defensively and harass teams and can get up and down offensively. So that is kind of how I looked at it. If you really look at the roster and you take a couple of our smaller guards, we pretty much range from 6'4 to 6'11, and that was intentional. He also spent a lot of time talking about, of course, some of the transfers. He, he touted Amari Abram. He touted uh, the incoming freshman, Bay and Dongo. And he also t- spent some time talking about, again, besides Miles, talked about Lance Terry and kind of said, Lance is Lance. I know exactly what I'm going to get with him. And he talked a lot about uh, Debo and uh, and Sturdivant and said, hey, they're doing very well. Says, I think it's been different for them. I'm more demanding. I won't let you skip steps. I don't know if that's a shot at Passner, 
But he says, I didn't get to where I got to by skipping steps. They've done everything I've asked them to. You can see them each getting better every day and more comfortable with the things that we are trying to do. Both of them will have big impacts on this team. Joshua, I think to this point, I'm going to say, and I'm again, he hasn't played a game. He hasn't coached a game. But here is Damon Stoudemire who has brought in some new freshmen. He brought in some transfers, and he kept the core of this team together. I think you've got to be mildly excited about what he might be putting together. I think he's I think he's done some good as good as he could in what he's done. Exactly. Now, so once you get on the field cuz I mean, Jeff Collins did pretty good in what he had been able to do before getting on the field. I'm sorry that name is not allowed to be spoken well, here anymore. Well, it's being spoken again I'm, because actually this is the 1 year anniversary this week of him officially losing his job at Georgia Tech, which I don't want to celebrate another man losing his job and being unemployed. But, but we're going to celebrate that he's no longer the, the head coach at Georgia Tech. George, the Georgia Tech Athletic <laughs> Program will celebrate the fact that it has been a brighter day yeah, ever since. Yeah, I, I'll say Josh's name because he made players better. He's a good guy, and we did win an ACC title. I will not speak the other man's name. Anyway, moving on from basketball, one more piece of news that you want to get to before we get to our collab. Yes, well, I wanted to give a brief shout-out to a new friend of show. Uh goes by the name of Chandler Simpson. Um, some of y'all don't know, I did work as a bat boy this year, last year and this year as well, uh, for the Gwinnett Stripers. We live in Zwanee, Georgia, metro Atlanta area. The Braves AAA team is 20 minutes down the road. I've had the privilege of bat boying for the visiting dugout the last two seasons. And Chandler Simpson was in town last week with the Durham Bulls. He finished the year in high A with Tampa. But Tampa brought him up to kind of follow the team around for their last week of the season because Billy Hamilton was there. Uh, learned the tips and tricks because, remember, Chandler Simpson finished tied for the lead in all of minor league baseball with 94 steals. Wow. Impressive. And so I got to talk to him a little bit. Super nice kid. Um, very down-to-earth. Very appreciative of the fact that we were fans. Told him about the podcast. I hope he's tuning, tuning in. Um, I hope he I hope he did some digging on me. Probably not, but it is what it is. Um, we can dream, can't we? He was a super nice guy. Maybe next time when he comes through a trip with the AAA team, actually like playing, I'll be able to. Or if he comes to Truist and plays in Atlanta, yeah, uh, when, when he makes the, the major league, when he's the leadoff hitter for the Rays first. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, with the uh, Georgia Tech baseball team that we currently have, there are 26 new players coming into the system. Steve. Wow, 26. Now, some of that is coming from the high school class. The high school class was ranked number five. Uh, in the world, in the nationwide ranking, really rankings. Wow, and that's actually very impressive considering that Georgia Tech had three high schoolers that were committed to them drafted hmm. in the first three rounds of the MLB draft, and they all took the money. So without Ty Pete, without Antonio Anderson, without one other player who is slipping my mind right now, okay. you know what his name is? What? Isaiah Drake because he's with the Braves. Ah, I should have known that. Yeah, yeah. So without those three, Georgia Tech still had the number five recruiting class. Just going to give you the names if you want to go look into them. Right now, you can. We're probably going to do a preview on it before the baseball season. Absolutely, that's, we will. That's in months, and I don't really want to bore you guys much because we got to get to our collab. So when it comes to the transfers, Georgia Tech is getting Brett Barfield, a left-handed pitcher from Florida State, uh, Mike Bacchetti, an infielder from Fairfield. They are getting – sorry, I've got to scroll through the list. Matthew Ellis, a catcher from Indiana. Peyton Green, infielder from NC State. He's a big one. I remember his name. Keep an eye on him. Uh, May Cam Jones, left-handed pitcher from Georgia State. Remember, Georgia Tech did hire the Georgia State pitching coach. Um, Cameron Landry, a right-handed pitcher from Georgia State. You also have Mason Patel, who's a righty from Georgia State. Um, 
Reed Schaefer, who's a left-hander from Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> a couple, little bit of different. Uh, J.D. Smith, right-handed pitcher from the College of Central Florida. You have right-handed pitcher from South Carolina, Brett Thomas. And then you have the last two are Trey Younger, who's an infield outfielder, utility player basically, from Wofford. And Bobby Zmarslak from Maryland. I know, Gazuntites. Yeah, like that, <laughs> like that name. Want to cheer for him. So, so a lot of pitchers Yeah, so in the transfers. So the transfers plus the high schoolers that still signed, that combined makes us the number five. So it's just high school that was number five. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. 24-7 doesn't do baseball recruiting. It. It's You have to pay for it with Perfect Game, and I refuse to give Perfect Game any uh, money said, have we, because it's a, a money laundering scheme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, as for the high schoolers, you're looking at a yeah. Guys from all over the place. Yeah, don't you don't need to go through that list. So again, we'll talk we'll, about them. Whoever yeah. shows out in camp. So high so high schoolers were already number five. You add that to the transfer portal that you brought in. There's still hope with Georgia Tech baseball. Oh, there's plenty of hope. We can continue to. I believe Stephen Reed is coming back. You're bringing back guy Cameron Hill's been playing pretty well in his summer leagues. Nice. Um, plenty of bats. Obviously, you lose Jake DeLeo, which is um not the greatest. And Despina, um, Despina, Christian Robinson. I mean, you're losing some bats. Pretty much all your arms are coming back, um, well, which they we were great, some, yeah. but they were young. <laughs> they were young. They were young. All right, so they can get better. All right, so last last little bit of news before we get to the collab. Um, that's the fourth time we've said that. I want to shout you guys out. We've joked about how we have dozens and dozens of listeners, and we hope that it would become dozens of dozens. I want to say I, we were doing. A, I was doing a little recap. We're basically a year into this show. It's episode number forty-seven. There was a period where we didn't do weekly shows over the summer, so we're a little bit over a year in. And I was looking back at our numbers last year when we started, and when we started doing this, of course, Joshua and I told everybody we know, "Hey, we got a little podcast. We'd love for you to listen." And we had a little spike at the beginning. Our biggest listenership happened when Jeff was when the coach who won't be named was fired. And I'm happy to say that this month, we this is our highest listened to month before the last show got posted. And we are doing numbers about 25, actually about 50% higher than we were last year. So we're having a jump in listenership. So we thank you guys for that. We'll talk about how you can talk to other people about the show. Actually, we'll do it now. Tell people you know about the show. Uh, if you want to become a friend of show or you want to tell us something we want to read on the air, you can email joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for telling other people about it. And now that we got Chandler Simpson, hopefully he'll become friend of show and send an email. He's and at tell least us friend of show going. host. He's friend of show host. So we thank him for that. So without further ado, let's get to the collab. So Joshua, it's time to talk tech football. As we promised, second half of the show, time to do a recap of the game. But before you start your recap, we get to welcome a guest. A guest? A guest into the into the August studios of What's the Good Word? Eh, I don't know. That was my ch- Into the lavish studios, into the Spartan studio. Okay, so we'll just get to it. We are happy to welcome Sea Dog. We talked about him on last show. He had reached out to us. And uh, C-Dog is a content creator on YouTube for uh, all things Georgia Tech Athletics, and we are happy to have him on the show. C-Dog, welcome to What's the Good Word? Hey, you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, always you know, looking forward to reaching out and collaborating with other Georgia Tech YouTubers. You know, it's I've been doing it for about three years, and you know, whenever I see 
somebody new come up, I, I kind of really like to support them and reach out and collaborate with them. Any way I can, I get really excited to talk to new, you know, fans. And I, uh, I reach out to all of them and, <laughs> and, uh, cause, cause it's nice. It's like a, it's like a big community that's growing and more and more excitement around the program and everything. It's, it's great. Well, as I have, as I have stated on this show, many are called, but few are chosen. We're glad that you are one of the chosen few. Uh, and we're glad that you reached out to us as one of the chosen few. Before we uh, before we do the the game, and we'll have you do this at the end as well. But tell everybody the name of your channel, how they can find you on YouTube. Yeah, so a little oxymoronic, I guess, but uh, being a Yellow Jacket fan and yep. everything, uh, my my name is C Dog. Uh, it's C D O double G, and uh, you know, like Snoop Dogg, of course, not not. Not D A W G, like those hillbillies up the road spell it. Right. Okay. We we said we said earlier in the uh, introduction that you you spell it correctly. You're just so awesome. You had to add a second G on the end. That's <laughs> that's that's my thing. There you go. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So anybody, yeah. So they can search you C D O G G and uh, find you there on YouTube. On YouTube, yeah. Um, I've you know, like I said, I've been doing it for about three years. And then I'm also on Twitter at C Dog Morgan. Um, so nice. you know, I basically I, I don't have as big of a following on there. I just go on there and kind of keep up with everything going over there because there's a great community, Georgia Tech community, growing on Twitter too, or X or whatever it's called. Twitter yeah, growing it, over there. It's too. still Twitter in my mind. It's okay. Right, it's still Twitter. Yeah, and I just go on there and like all the Georgia Tech stuff and troll. Uh, UGA fans and stuff like that. So well, it's nice to have a hobby. All right, so see, uh, see, <laughs> uh, We're going to let Joshua do what he does marginally well, or does wow. better. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Listen, you were giving me faces about me saying August Studio. Yeah, you, you didn't. Kept going. You didn't like that. Well, I, I tend to be slightly annoying. All right, Joshua, we'll get out of your way. Give us the recap of a wonderful week for Tech football. Georgia Tech. Where's Wake Forest located? I always forget this. Uh, in North Carolina. Well, Georgia Tech was up north in North Carolina, the northern of the Carolinas, and they were able to bring home a W for the Yellow Jackets, playing Wake Forest, who came into the game 3-0, undefeated, although, like we had talked about, they hadn't necessarily played anybody just yet. Um, Georgia Tech took the win 30-16. to It was a bit of a back-and-forth game. Georgia Tech had one of their second quarters where they dominated. They were up. They went scored 13 points to zero in the second quarter. But Wake Forest attempted to make it interesting. We'll get to that, of course. So game um, Tech took a 7-3 lead in the first quarter, ended up with a 20-3 lead going into halftime. Um, but after a couple touchdowns, a touchdown in the third quarter and another touchdown in the fourth, Wake Forest was within a score, and then they got the ball back pretty quickly. Georgia Tech went three and out on their drive. But luckily for us, Georgia Tech came through and they made the plays that they need to make, specifically as I scroll down through After the game a recap. horrible pass interference call. Yes, I was going to mention that. I was going to set you up. I was unfortunately not able to watch the game. I was finishing out the season with the Stripers, like I talked about, talking to Chandler Simpson. Exactly. Friend, hopefully new friend hopefully of show. Hopefully new friend of show. Um, there were apparently a lot of penalties on Georgia Tech, 14 to be exact. But when it mattered, Keenan Johnson stepped up and intercepted Mitch Griffith's third interception of the day and was able to turn them over, and they were able to score a nice uh, cushion touchdown at the end of the game 
to make it the final score, 30-16. to 16. The big performers of the game, Stephen Haynes King, another decent day, 16 of 27, 222 yards. Not his most gaudy stats, but he did still have two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. We'll take it. Uh, the running game, Jamal Haynes, 18 carries, 95 yards. The wide receiver continues to play very, very well. Trey Cooley also got in for seven carries, but didn't, didn't unfortunately do a ton with him. And Haynes King, 53 yards on the ground. A dual threat, is he? I believe so. Eric Singleton had another good game, four catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown. He did also have 10 targets, so you interpret that as you will. Some of them probably off target. Some of them probably his fault. Is what it is. He still capitalized when he needed. Abdul Janay also caught a touchdown, although he was wide open due to a coverage bust. I did see that highlight. Mm-hmm. The corner did not know where the safety was, and it was very clear because we'll take it. Janay was 10 yards open. Yep. Um, on top of that, you had Georgia Tech loves to spread the ball around, right? You also had Luke Benson, Avery Boyd, Christian Leary, Jamal Haynes, Malik Rutherford, Dylan Litter, and Trey Cooley get some level of reception. So. A whole lot of whole lot of people contributing. With nine minutes game. left in the first half, the announcers made a comment that they had already had eight, seven or eight receivers, uh, different receivers. They like so, to spread the yeah, wealth. Absolutely. Uh, Aiden Burr, three for three on field goals, mm-hmm. three for three on extra points. The leg tattoo reigns on. Uh, and then on defense, Georgia Tech uh, lived in the backfield tonight uh, in that game. Eight sacks, ten tackles for loss, four of those sacks, and three of those TFLs coming from Kyle Kennard who did get snubbed from the ACC. They did not put him on the defensive team of the week. Insane how that can happen. Uh, You also had interceptions from Keenan Johnson and two from Jalen King, who did make that aforementioned team. Mm -hmm. So at least one Georgia Tech player was represented. On top of that, sack from K.J. Wallace, one and a half sacks from Andre White, half a sack from Zeke Biggers, and then one sack from Paul Mawala. So the defense played well. The offense played well. 14 penalties is not good, but you subset that with four turno- turning the opponent over four times. It evens out at the end. Sea Dog, I noticed on your channel that you were watching the game with a good friend uh, who uh, I believe was lighting up a victory cigar after the game. You captured that on film and gave some thoughts, but give your thoughts here. What, what What's your reaction to the game? What did you see? What did you like? Tell us a little bit about uh, what you saw in the game. Yeah, that friend actually, shout out to him, that's Rec Talk. Um, he is another Georgia Tech YouTuber that also started last season. Mm. Uh, so shout out to him. His channel is great. Uh, for any of you Tech fans out there just looking for more content, because I know I am. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad, you know, we scheduled this podcast a couple weeks ago, and and obviously we, you know, didn't know how this game was going to go. So I'm glad that, you know, the first time I'm getting to talk to you guys, it's after a huge victory. Okay, it was, I mean, this was really validating, you know, for what I thought we could be coming into the season. I was super high on this. There was a lot of hype in this offseason, and we saw the potential, you know, in the Louisville and Ole Miss game, but couldn't quite get there. And now it didn't happen in the way that I had pictured it at all. Yeah. I mean, this game was a total deviation from what we had seen. It's just so it's so mind blowing how college football works. It's true what they say. Like you're not watching the same team every week. You're watching twelve different versions of a, of a team every week throughout the season. Because who would have thought throughout the first three weeks that we would have come out and seen what really won the game for us was the defense here. You know. If the defense hadn't slowed them down enough, 
Um, you know, the offense, like you were saying, didn't have uh, as good of a performance, I think, as, you know, the other two games this season. So, not at all. Really insane and, and, and clutch for the defense to come through uh, when they did. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I think it was, I think Brent Key talked about it in his presser. He was saying, you know, he really had a come to Jesus meeting with the D line. And, and, and I guess he was able to get that turnaround a week, which I didn't thought, I didn't think I would see. Now, part of me thinks that perhaps, you know, Wake Forest has something to do with it. I don't particularly think they were like, um, as good as the Wake Forest were kind of used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're, they'll probably win six, seven games, you know? They're they're still a good team. They're, they're, I go on and on all the time about Dave Clawson and how much I respect him as a coach. I wanted us to hire. He was like my number one choice whenever we were looking for a coach. Um, I really wanted Dave Clawson, and you know the fact that we were able to go in there on the road. I mean, all Brent Key does is go and beat great teams on the road. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. He, I, I, I'd like him to add uh, beating great teams at home to that, but we'll, you know, we'll, that'll come in time. And, and, yeah. and, and yes, I, I agree with you about Dave Clawson. He is, uh, he's a program builder and Wake Forest is not an easy academic school. So it's almost a blueprint of what I think Brent is going to want to do here. Joshua, let me throw it to you real quick. What, uh, I know you didn't get to see the game. You obviously caught the highlights, did a recap, did, did, you know, looking on YouTube and things like that. What uh, what stood out to you? What 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 did you like about what you saw of the team? I mean, the fact that you know, Sea Dog mentioned it. Brent Key had a come to Jesus meeting. I believe the defensive line found Jesus. Yeah, I believe they were sal- had salvation and baptized. Yeah, in I, the holy fires. I was going to add to both of you. I think the come to Jesus meeting was Andrew Thacker. They came in with a different game plan than I had seen them in the previous three games. They knew something that they could do. And he brought more pressure. He brought more extra people more times than I had seen him in the first part of the game or first part of the season. And so uh, I, I think they took advantage of, of the of Griffiths' height or lack of height. And and I think they, they kind of kept collapsing that pocket and they had something. So I like that. What else did you see? Sorry to interrupt. You're, you're all good. Um, the running game continues to be a nice, chain mover for the team i obviously i don't think that it's good enough to where arthur smith would build his offense around it like he's doing trying to do in atlanta but i do believe it's good enough to where it gives you the threat of what's coming and it sets up some play action and some rpo and it makes them react to that and jamal haynes is balling out in the absence of uh what's his name i forgot he hasn't played in a while Devonte smith that is not his name. Devontae Smith, Dante, wide receiver. Dante Smith. There you go. Golly, Smith. Something hey. Smith. He has been banged up I'm the last old. couple of weeks. He's coming back soon, what Brent Key said. But in the absence of the six-year senior, and even in the absence of Trey Cooley, really, he's kind of fallen off. At least in this game, he had fallen off. Jamal Haynes has shown out. Yeah, Jamal Haynes is no longer a wide receiver. He is Man. our running back. Um, C-Dog, let me ask you this. Uh, one of the things, you know, you kind of mentioned it's it wasn't the blueprint because the defense played such a big role. I will say the offense, to an extent, was still there. Two short field goals in the red zone where I think we've been used to touchdowns. So it was there, but not quite finishing. Would you say so far this is the most complete game? Because it wasn't like the offense was bad. 
So would you say this is the complete game? And if we can see this team play this well on both sides of the ball, kind of look out, we're going to get some more wins? Yeah, there. Yeah, there, I would say, like you said, complete game because you know I I had I was having flashbacks to the Louisville game when we were up, you yep. know, and they started to come back a yep. little bit. Yep. Now, now to say it's the most complete game, yeah, I would say so. Uh, you can't have your defense no show like they did in the Louisville game and Ole Miss game, you know. So th- in that regard, it was. Um, there were still two kind of big issues I had. Obviously, um, the big thing was the penalties, right? Yeah, I'd say that, so. Yep. That, I think, came at the cost of the aggressiveness on defense. I think yes. Grant Key even confirmed it in his press conference. And so there needs to be some kind of middle ground, you know. Um, you're not going to get I – mean, I mean, eight sacks and five turnovers in a game is, is wild. And it's great. Um, but if that comes at the cost of 14 penalties for almost, it was like around 150 yards. I mean that. I mean that right there is, you know, that's killer. Right. So, yeah, to really to maybe maybe back off and find some kind of middle ground, you know, because coming into the game we were the least penalized team in the country, and right. I was bragging on that all week. Right. Um, so you know you don't have to be the least penalized team in the country. Okay, you know. You can do everything in moderation, you know. So, so maybe not go from one extreme to the other. So, there's that the penalties, and then the other thing that I that I have noticed too as a pattern in the three games. I'm not counting South Carolina State um, yeah. in these three games. Was third quarter offense really third and like half of the fourth quarter offense? Yeah. For for whatever reason, we just come out slow from halftime. It. I have a feeling that it has to do with the other team making adjustments yep. and us not adjusting back, <laughs> if that makes sense. It makes total sense. So, we've, we've talked about that. We we agree with you that we've said that yeah, on our past shows yeah. as well. Yep. Until, the, you know, until halfway through the fourth quarter when it's crunch time. And I was watching the game in the third quarter. We live streamed that game um, on Rec Talks channel. And I was saying all third quarter, I was like, oh, no. This the groundwork is being laid for the comeback yeah. for 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 Louisville to come back or not Louisville. <laughs> See, I'm traumatized. From <laughs> Clearly, uh, wait for it. Now, to their credit, like you said, they held on and were able to you know hold on and get the win, albeit by the skin of their teeth. Really, I mean, the final score doesn't reflect just how close that game. They were about to tie that thing up and send it overtime. Well, they. Um, yeah, they they had the uh, they had the they they got within seven. They kick off to us. We go three and out. They get the ball back. We've we are keeping them from scoring. We've got a long third down. They call that horrible pass interference call on the. Uh, it was an Alexander who got the the interception. Did you say it was Keenan Johnson? Keenan Johnson. They called, yeah. I believe, the penalty on him, and. It was absolutely a horrible call, and I'm not. I'm one to complain about refs, but I never blame the game on a ref. And I thought if they tie it up after that, but Thacker calls up a uh, calls up a good pressure. Griffiths yeah. is is scrambling and and just kind of throws and doesn't see uh, Johnson getting that interception. So uh, it was a it was a nice. Uh, there was a nice moment, and then from there, then the offense sealed it. Uh, Haynes King yeah. had a huge. 
35-yard run to just kind of flip the field. And then we end up scoring. So the offense didn't do what they could have done with a four-minute drive to end it, but the defense does come through one last time with the four turnover, and then the offense runs it out and, and wins the game. So sorry to give a recap of a recap but at the end there. So let, let's let's kind of – we can still keep talking about Wake Forest, but let's let's change it to the rest of this season. Dog, we when, when Joshua and I – one thing we try never to do on this show is, okay, that's a win, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss. We hate doing that, but as fans, we all look at the schedule. And I had said we got two more games before the bye week, Bowling Green and Miami. I had said those first six games of the year – if you can find a way to be three and three, I think that's meeting expectations. If you can do four or two or five and one, that would be way exceeding. Well, here we are. You beat Bowling Green and you find it, you give yourself a chance like you have in every other game against Miami. You're potentially looking at four and two heading into the break. What are your thoughts moving forward? Not just about the two games, whatever you want to say. What are your thoughts moving forward off of this win at Wake Forest? Oof, man. If we could take down Miami now. You wouldn't be able to tell me nothing. We'd be going, we'd be, we'd be going ten and two and making the New Year's Five. You wouldn't be able to tell me nothing. <laughs> but um, that's your but, fandom yeah, talking, I, right? Oh, Miami's yes, at number course, eighteen right now. Of course. Look, look, uh, Bowling Green. Okay. Well, I guess we'll preview that game. Um, but you know that should be an easy win. Basically, they're bad even for a group of five teams. Right. Um, Miami. Look. I think we probably lose to Miami. I really, I don't know. They haven't looked, they haven't really shown much weakness. Um, the, the Really the only thing you can question is, you know, their strength of schedule that they've had up to. They have an impressive win over Texas A&M, but of course Texas A&M themselves are shaky. So, you know, that, that could be close. Um, I'm just super nervous about that. But, you know, look, this is, this is something about Grinky that we are not used to, you know, with Jeff Collins. We're going to go – there's not a single game on this schedule, okay, that we don't have a chance of winning going right. into. You right, know? right. Now, like he, he – Brantke is not a loser. When the chips are down – and we saw this last year. I mean, we were down two quarterbacks last year. We had Zach Gibson and Tyson Pumachon at quarterback, okay? And he still goes on the road to North Carolina, beats them, and then, you know, puts up the best showing we've seen against Georgia in years. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, you know, Brent, he's not a loser, and he's shown that he can make adjustments on the fly during the season. He showed that last year, and, and now he's showing it this year, too. So, um, so yeah, the, the question for me, the, I, you know, I have no doubt we can get to a bowl, but can we avoid the game, losing the games we shouldn't that lose, we, yeah should win yeah. yeah yeah that's what makes me nervous and i'm referencing directly um boston college and virginia right of course we lost virginia last year well we had a quarterback hurt you know that's hard to prepare for um virginia scares me yeah <laughs> they seem to have our number don't they yeah yeah that's a that's a good point and and uh, we've we've played well uh, to be in every game. Are we going to have a letdown game? Are we going to have a horrible game? In fact, there are probably Wake Forest fans who are going, why did we lose that game? And and they right. just they, they laid a stinker in a way. Now, I want to credit our defense, but I'm sure there are Wake Forest fans blaming their offense. Joshua, let me turn to you as we kind of 
look at, again, these next two games or look ahead. Give me your thoughts. Give me your feelings. What are you excited, worried about? You know, lay it, lay it on us. Um, I'm excited to see how they do in the rest of ACC play. Because like I said, if you beat Wake Forest, I think that that's the kind of game that you need to win to prove that you're now in like the upper half of the ACC. Right. Right. If you can beat teams like that, you're now talking about yourself as we're one of the better teams. Right. And so obviously, you know, UVA on paper should be a win their own four, but they're especially if we're playing at UVA, who knows? That seems like a trap game for sure. Especially since right after UVA, we're playing Clemson. Right. So that that's like, and, and it's, it's, it's in between, between UNC. Yeah. So that's so like, yeah. okay, we came off this big game against UNC. We got Clemson next week. It seems like a picture perfect trap game. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping that Key can keep him motivated for that. Well, and wasn't one of our goals for this season that we stated as we were heading into the season, we want to see consistency. We want to see a team playing together. We want to see that Key can instill in them, hey, it's every week, it's every day. This is the process. I'd so enjoy that. There's, I would enjoy that. There's a good chance. that you. He's given us the chance, right? So uh, other thoughts. Yeah, there's a chance. Yeah. Uh, I just I want to see I want to see it continue, right? I want to see the the good stuff stay good and the bad stuff get better. Stay away. Uh, I, so I, I so the thing I would add to what both of you guys said is, um, you know, I, I when I looked at the schedule and I looked at this season, again, it's clearly two halves. You have the first six games and then you have the last six games. So our bye week was right in the middle. I, I think I, I like your point, Sea Dog, and, and what both of you guys are making. So far this season, the one thing this team has shown us is they've consistently played at least half of the game well, and they've shown up against the tough opponents and given themselves a chance to win. What's funny to me, you got I don't think either of you guys are old enough. This team, they're not as good yet, but Haynes King and Jamal Haynes and the rest of the offense reminds me a lot of when Joe Hamilton first came on campus. Tech was coming off horrible years with Bill Lewis. O'Leary was taking over and trying to build the program. And Joe Hamilton in that offense, before they were playing at their peak in, in 99, I believe, those first couple years as they were getting better, the offense kept us in every game. And literally, I can remember watching games going, hey, as long as we get the ball last, I think there's going to be a chance we win. And we were winning games like 45-42. Go back and look at those scores. Joe Hamilton put up ridiculous numbers and always gave always gave us a chance to win by scoring points. Last year, the only chance we had to win was defense was shutting people down. But if this offense can continue to be what it is, and what I think so far is, I think they've only been showing about half the playbook. So if they can expand the playbook and make themselves even more dangerous, look out and, and give us a chance to be in any game because it we might turn some of against better opponents into a boat race. So that's that's kind of what I saw, but I'm with you guys. I, that is, can we go through this season without a, well, they laid an egg on that one. And if we can avoid that, I think you'd have to call this season a success. So um, C-Dog, let me ask you this last question and we'll kind of wrap up. Um, so again, the Bowling Green, much like we did with South Carolina State, let's just, you know, take care of business. I think that's what we all want to say. So let me ask you one last thing about Miami. You said that you were looking for certain things with Wake Forest and what you expected you didn't really see. And again, the defense kind of won that game for us as much as the offense. What do you want to see at Miami? You know, when you start watching the Miami game, what will be what, you know, first quarter, first couple, you know, first half of the game, 
what do you want to see that'll make you go, oh, this could be a good day? Or, you know, what are you looking for that would show you, I think we got a shot to win this game? Well, now, I think that penalties, obviously, we're going to be looking out for. And then something you can keep an eye on right off the bat, okay, is the D-line. Now, the D-line had a great game. They had one great game this past week, right? Uh, can they keep that up? Yep. I mean, I bet they'll be able to keep it up, you know, against Bowling Green. Um, but, or, you know, going against Miami, their offensive line is going to be better than Wake Forest, okay? So, when we're on defense, you know, out there, watch the defensive line. Are they getting stood up? That's what the problem was. Um, against Ole Miss and Louisville, the defensive line would just get stood up. We would rush, you know, however many we were rushing for, and and these wide open gaps would open up, and the defensive line is just, they're you know they're they're just getting stood up. They can't get any pressure. That is probably an immediate telltale sign, and and if they can stay low, you know, and make a pocket. <laughs> And collapse a little bit like we did against Wake Forest, you know that's that will be that will be a good sign. Yeah, good. because they're gonna, you know, that Wake Forest offensive line is not gonna be. I mean, it, this is gonna be a step of the competition now. Yeah. And then obviously, like I said earlier, um, well, that's kind of the beginning of the game. Uh, and then right after halftime, we're, we're, we're you know we want to <laughs> we want to score. In the third quarter, right? That, right. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Can, can we play a third quarter this year? Yeah. Um, yes. Joshua, quickly to you, what do you want to see in the Miami game that'll get you excited? More point. I'm playing. More I'm point. not going to be that guy. <laughs> um, it'll get me excited if I can see the offensive line really start to push some people around. And yeah. I don't know if it'll happen against Miami because Miami has a good defense. But I want to at least see them continue to give Haynes King enough time to distribute the football. And I think they've been better at it this year, but I also think there's just a few too many times where Haynes has to navigate a dirty pocket or bootleg his way out. And a lo- so a lot of Haynes' plays, it seems like, are because he has good pocket presence. Yeah. And so he's able to get out when he needs to. I would like to see it to where it's like, oh, he didn't have to. He got to sit back, wait for the play to develop, and then hit a deep. Well, the one thing about Miami, they they beat Texas A&M. They really haven't played anybody since then. Uh, yep. They've scored a lot of points. So I think what I want to see is, because I, I still believe Tech's, uh, Tech's plan against Ole Miss was to try and control the ball on offense. If that's our best trait, let's try to have long drives. So if they can do that against Miami, I think they give themselves a chance to be in the game. Uh, and we'll see if Miami's legit. I think they are. I think they are. But I, I think we get to show yet again that we're legit. So, Sea Dog, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show one last time. Tell everybody where they can find you. Absolutely, man. It's Sea Dog C D O G G on YouTube, and at Sea Dog Morgan on the Twitter X platform. And uh, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it to you guys. Yeah, and I tell you what, uh, to our listeners, Sea Dog puts out a lot of content. Yeah. You uh, you do uh, live streams during the game sometimes. You do a lot of stuff leading up to the game. We we do a once a week show where we try to just break down as much news. If you want ongoing content, Joshua and I are fans of Sea Dog, and you guys should be too. Sea Dog, thank you so much for being on the program today. Yeah, 
Uh, thank you guys. I'm big fans of you guys too. So uh, thanks for having me on, and it was fun. Absolutely. Was Absolutely. Joshua, your final thoughts before I give the uh, wonderful outro, the august outro. Shout out to Chandler Simpson. Nicest guy I've met. <laughs> fastest guy I've met. Going to see him in the big soon. I, Real man, soon. Uh, it, most steals in the minor leagues, tied for most steals in the minor leagues this season. Well done, sir. Uh, continued success wherever he's playing. Is he Arizona Fall League, you know? Or I do not know. Yeah. I do not believe so. I'm sure Joshua will find out because Chan- because he is he is a huge fan of Chandler Simpson and got to spend some time with him. So uh, for our guest, C-Dog, and for Joshua, this is the alum, Stephen, asking all of you one last very important question. What's the good word? 